really like going against the grain of like when I told people in 2020 before the pandemic was a huge thing that I wasn't dating, you would have thought I like slapped the Pope in the face. Like so many people were offended that like this young, successful, attractive woman is choosing not to find a partner. And so I'm just kind of leading into that chaos again of like, I tried last year to date, not really my vibe. So this year, yeah, I'm just having fun. Hey, Javi. Hi, Mace. Well, here we are. It's you and me in the clubhouse. What's up? Oscar's doing some weird shit on top of the fridge. <laughs> Our production's assistants, active as ever. Production. Yeah, I think we're a little nervous. Don't jump on the sound recorder. Uh, stay stay away. But Don't jump. <laughs> Don't do it. Baby. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he might. He's not going to, though. i'm talking shit yeah (laughs) talking shit about me this is my house uh well oscar if it's all right with you i would like to introduce today's guest who is brie jenkins yes she is an activist a consultant uh, a podcaster uh she just brings a really great perspective i think we had a really fantastic conversation uh about all sorts of topics we talked about queer dating we talked about queer friendships we talked about activism in texas um all sorts of great stuff so many great things i think anyone who's been a longtime fan of the show is going to love the perspective that brie kind of brought to the table and the multitude of conversations we have. So please sit back, relax, and know that you are soon gonna have a smile on your face as soon as you hear the lovely, amazing Breonna Jenkins. Uh, So Brie. Hi. Hi, welcome to Queer Town. Thank you for having me. I would love to kind of get started with your initial experiences here in Austin. I'm so curious as someone from the Northeast, what this weird Texas city was like. It's, it's so white. It's so uh, progressive in some ways, but we live in a very conservative state. Mm -hmm. Uh, What was your initial reaction? Can I ask just as for context, Mm -hmm. what's the vibe in Connecticut? Sure. Um, So I'll start with that. The vibe in my hometown, I graduated high school in 2008, and I've looked this up. So the demographics in my hometown of Hamden was about 60,000 people lived there in 2008, and the breakdown was 40% white, 40% black, and then 20% other people of color. So like 60% of people of color and 40% white. So very diverse. Um, I grew up in Connecticut, so it's in New England, but it's also close to New York and New Jersey, so definitely a a melting pot. Um, So many different types of people, and that's religiously, that's race-wise, that's sexual orientation, that's all those sort of things. I have to burp, and this happens every time I start talking. It'll pass. Oh, no worries. She's a professional. Oscar is screaming, (laughs) so... Oscar, I feel you, too. (laughs) Um, So growing up in... Connecticut, which is a very blue state. Um, I started going to gay clubs when I was like 16, 17 years old. Um, and you know, I was able to go to New York. We were just talking. It's an hour train ride from me. So I was able to like go into Pride and just see so many different types of people growing up. Um, so wait, wait, can we circle back for sure. a second? So you were in gay clubs when you were 15, 16, mm-hmm. but you didn't come out 
until almost a decade later. Yeah. Yeah. I started donating to HRC when I was like 15. Like when I got my first job. Were were you just like, I'm just a good ally. Yeah. My best friend, John, um, when I came out to him, he's like, girl, I've known since you were 12. And I was like, bitch, you couldn't have told me. He's like, you had to find out for yourself. So yeah. And you know, when I came out, my family was like, not really surprised to go, girl, you go, you, I used to go to church at Sunday morning and then be at karaoke at the gay bars at night, like every single <laughs> Sunday. So no one in my family was like super shocked, but That yeah. is hysterical that the first money in your pocket was being donated to progressive organizations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I grew up in a super diverse pl- place and then I come to Austin and my first thing was, you know, I was here visiting my best friend, but he had to work. So I just got to explore the city during the day and... At the time, he owned a restaurant, so like I would go there. It was on 6th Street and just get to, like, explore and walk around. And it was that Southern hospitality of, like, everyone's super nice. But it also reminds me of, like, a small New York, like, way cleaner, nicer people, a little bit more walkable if you're downtown. I'm really into music. I come from a family of musicians. I started singing when I was, like, three. So music means a lot to me. And so to be here, it was it was really fun. But I, it didn't really click to me how white Austin was probably until like my third or fourth month living here. And I was like, I have not seen a black person in the grocery store in the Mm. seven times I've gone in the last like few months. And that was really big for me. And then I started dating and weirdly enough, the first person I dated was a girl I knew from back home. We did not move here together. Everyone thinks we moved here together and came out and had like this huge lesbian romance. That's not how it (laughs) happened. Um, We just reconnected and dated for a few months but really talking to her and she lived super north and I lived south off South Congress. So it was like living in different cities, as you know, at the time. Um, yeah, we often joke that it's, it's different cities. It, it's like if you're in South Congress life. and someone is like north of 183, oh, yeah. that that's a trick. No, you you live in Buda. Yeah. Like I will see you. <laughs> you live you live in Round Rock. I live in Buda. Goodbye. Um, but yeah, so that was that was interesting to be two queer women two queer women. She's a little bit more androgynous than me. Super short hair, a little more stocky, played football because lesbians. Um, so that was, that was really interesting. Like for us to go out and people, for people to notice us and for us, like we grew up with, that was just normal. Like no one really care. Um, but then, you know, being in nonprofit work, I tended to be the only black person on my team or at the company period. And so that came with a lot of heaviness too just feeling like the only voice that was there ever. And so that's been hard because while I really love Austin and the opportunities it's given me, it can also, for a long time, it felt very isolating. Um, luckily, over the last few years, a lot a lot of more black people have moved here, a lot more queer people of color, a lot of queer women, black women, um, women of color have been able to connect with. But at first it was so daunting and overwhelming and just a complete culture shock. So how old were you when you moved here? 26. I had just turned 26. Okay. So new city, 26, mm-hmm. sort of have this realization of how, um, I mean, I'm imagining that's a pretty isolating experience. Mm-hmm. How, um, uh, what was your process? How intentional was it like uh, building community here, basically? For me, building community meant leaning more into my queerness. Mm. Um, and with women, 
more because I couldn't find a lot of people of color. Um, so I just went to a lot of events. I just would go to stuff alone. So I would go to the gay bars with friends or I'd go volunteer. I try yoga in the park. I'm not a yoga person, but I was like, I will meet someone at yoga. Um, and I ended up meeting two friends that I'm still good friends with now. Um, but it was a lot of getting creative, a lot of meeting people at work and volunteering and trying to build community in other ways. Um, like I said, I, I hold three intersections of being queer, a woman and black. So I was able to meet two of the three intersections and then, you know, building a community of women of color came sort of later, but it definitely has happened now. Um, one of my really good friends, Dante, we met at an event and we met, we, we looked across from each other. We were the only two black women there and made a beeline. Like it was like, I see you, like the color purple, like just us in the corner. Like you it, knew. Was, it was like spotlights. It was like, okay. And we've been friends ever since. And that's now six years later. But yeah, it was definitely just getting super creative, willing to be awkward of like, hi, I just moved here. I would love to meet people. What does that look like? And not being afraid to, to do that. I mean, I've only known you for a few minutes and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just venture a guess that you're not shy. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. I am the most extra extrovert to ever extrovert. Yeah. Um, like I'm the most liberal liberal to ever liberal. Um, but yeah, no, I just, I'm, but my family's like that. Like I've never met a stranger. We've always been like one and all come in definitely community. Like just treat people how you would treat your family for sure. I'm similar to you in that regard. And when I moved back to Austin, it was also 2015. And that was a really weird moment of, like, I I wasn't going to grad school here. I didn't have the, like, kind of job infrastructure mm -hmm. that would introduce me to, like, a dozen new best friends. And I think Austin's kind of a tricky city in that regard because we're such a, like, tech and, like, UT-heavy place for a lot of people to land and kind of find their people that when you're going around and sort of, I don't know, like just mm -hmm. like shooting in the dark to see what could happen. Uh, it, it can be a little lonely, even if you are people like us who are incredibly extroverted. Yeah. I think that's the, one of the most beautiful and most difficult parts is like you're saying, we're a big tech company, a big college town, a big tourist town. If I see one more bachelorette party. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. With the matching outfits. I mean, y'all live, do you? But when I'm just trying to get, that used to be the big, I used to work downtown. And every time those little stupid beer, like pedal buses, mm. I was like, I just try, I'm late for work. Like I need y'all to move. But definitely was that. I was like, hi, because I moved here when I was 26. Like, are you here for college? I'm like, no, I'm 26. I'm not going to grad school because I don't know what I want to do with my life. Um and, you know, just being able to work. But I worked at a nonprofit and I was the youngest person on my team. And so, but luckily I had two queer women on my team. So like that really helped too of like me coming into this new part of myself. And like I said, just getting really creative and asking a lot of questions of like, when you were young, where did you go? How did, what do you know in the city that I haven't really tapped into yet? Yeah, I used to go to Barton Springs like every Friday and I would just hang out and that was a good way to talk to people in like a really low key way, mm -hmm. but no one was really there trying to make friends. It's like they were there with their people or they wanted to be alone. And that was sort of a interesting wake up call of like, okay, this is not the way. <laughs> I mean, baseline, like it's, it's hard to make friends as adults, right? Like, especially Absolutely. once you're out of college and I think having a queer identity adds like a wrinkle to it. And some of it is, is, um, uh, is good. Right. Cause like some of it, like there are spaces for us and it, and it's, yeah, it's that experience of like 
being in a setting and being like gay gay well well we, we can you know um but uh but yeah no it's hard it's real real hard yeah i mean a lot of my friends i've either met them through work through a mutual friend or in true queerness, we've met on a dating app and just decided to be friends instead, yeah. which is fine. Like, you, I, I think that's the thing about queerness too. Is like, you have to get creative and safe at the same time of like how you're going to make friends for sure. But I think we're really lucky in the fact that like Austin is that bubble. But remembering that that bubble sometimes is burst by people who come here and try to. Can I swear? Oh, oh absolutely. Just checking. Yeah. Just checking. Um, who come in and try to like fuck shit up. And then you're like, no, no, no. Like Austin is like that bubble and we won't let you. But definitely still. And and and, and I think you and I were texting about this yesterday, Mace, of like me being a black queer woman with natural hair and a curvier body and a very white cisgender heteronormative city trying to date is super hard. And, you know, my friend Aaron and I have talked about this of like how as a black woman already like for lack of a better term, like we're sometimes like the bottom of the barrel for dating for people. And not to say that like, I know I'm fucking great. That's not the problem. The problem is other people, but just the way like black women are treated. And then you add in all those intersections as well. It's like, we should just feel grateful that anyone gave us attention. And I'm like, no, which I think is why I'm in my chaos year of dating. But yeah, just kind of trying to navigate all of that too, of like feeling sometimes that I'm not, you know, the quote standard of beauty and, you know, I talked to a friend about this yesterday. I was having a really bad body image day. And I was like, this is not from me, though. Like, societally is telling me that I should feel bad about my body. And I don't. But it's like that catch-22 in my brain of, you know, having had a dis- an eating disorder and still sort of recovering from that and working through that at 32. Um, and I developed my eating disorder when I was 12. That's so 20 years of my life. And still feeling that of like, oh, my God, there's a photo of me and I don't look quote thin enough and I'm like trying to still work through that too in this city at the same time it's just it's a lot that is a lot yeah and it's not fair all of that mental garbage that can sort of populate my brain when I am on dating apps or I am like meeting up with people because I get insecure about things that I shouldn't be that are actually huge positives that I bring to the table but I think for both you and me, it's a really interesting place to be because we really excel at so many different things. And then it's like, oh, wait, I need to add dating on top of this? Like, why am I interested in this? Like, why do I continue to find joy out of this experience? Because it seems like it would be a lot easier if I just stopped doing it. <laughs> yeah, like I got off apps because apps just made me feel unwanted and unattractive, which again, I, know I think that. that that's the point, though. Yeah. I don't know if that was the original thing, but I have a very, like, insidious thought that, like, they're trying to get people to buy the upgrades. Mm. And that allegedly gives you more exposure, more matches, more, like, mm-hmm. secret features or whatever. And it's like, fuck that. Like... Like, we're hot. Like, people should be swiping right on us, but the apps are designed to keep people on them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I don't. Mm-mm. I rather I feel like I'm going to meet someone in real life or through a friend or doing a thing. But I decided not to date in 2020. That was the year of my Saturn return, which we also talked about before we started recording. Um, but, you know, I had dated two lovely people in 2019 and I broke up with both of them. And, you know, I was about to turn 30 and I was having that like existential life crisis of like about to be 30. I have nothing to show for my life. And I'm like, girl, relax. But 
I was like, about to turn 30. I'm not married. I'm not a mother, which is like the best thing that a cisgender woman can be is those two things. Like, you're not a real woman to your mother and a wife. And I was like, fuck that shit. So I did a, I started therapy when I was 15. So I took like three months to be like, okay, who am I outside of all my relationships? Who do I want to be as a parent? Do I want to adopt? Do I want to give birth? Those sort of questions. And then what am I looking for? What are my non-negotiables in dating? And so now like that I've started dating again, I'm very quick like, no, this isn't, how dare you? Um, This isn't going to work for me. And just being very okay with being selective. And so many people try to tell me that I'm being picky. And I'm like, no, I'm being very strategic and selective and purposeful when dating. You are also, you're 32. That About to is, be 32. That is the age that Carrie Bradshaw is at the start. Like, very first episode of Sex and the City. I've never watched Sex and the City. That's okay. That's that's totally fine. That's maybe even for the best. I just feel like, how are these four white women in New York and have not one black friend? On the original. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's very valid. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to hear more about this chaos year of yeah. dating and this feels like a good segue for one or beverage please do please do please cheers cheers queers cheers queers oh wait i'm gonna switch arms that'd be helpful to this did you know you're supposed to cheers with your left really and oh, with the person in the eye Oh, now who says that? The gay man who runs still Austin. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. You know, a reliable source. Sure. Um, But I do want to answer your chaos question. Wait, Javi, this wine is so good. It's delightful. Thank you. It's from my natural wine club. Mace isn't the only one. Um, (laughs) Yes, I'm a natural (laughs) wine club. I can't remember what month this was from. I was trying to find the tasting card of it, but it's a, yeah, it's a Sauvignon. From France. Yeah, France. Wow. Okay, we need to do a quick pause. I'm such a wine snob, so I appreciate this environment. Mm, Because I'm like, this has great feet, the body. Mm -hmm. I can taste all the things. There you Mm. go. My aunt paid me to go to like wine classes when I turned 21. So I'm like. Wow. Your aunt was looking out for you. She told me that I wasn't allowed to drink grape juice. I had to drink wine. (laughs) She hates Moscato. Anything sweet. She's like, what the fuck is this? You know, I don't like really sweet wine. Mm-mm. Anything that is, like, good with ice, I don't know if that's something that I need to put in my body. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. My, my boyfriend's family uh, is real white. They're not listening. Uh, and they, <laughs> they sent us a, um, they sent, uh, his sister sent us a case of wine, which was very sweet. So nice. Um, from like a, a winery near Lubbock, where my boyfriend's from. Uh, and like half of it is like sweet wine. And we have just been like, who can we get this? No, you make that into sangria. You see, that's, yeah. Oh no, I was researching the other day and I was like, <laughs> oh, I think, I think, I think I've come up with some. So one of them was just like, just mix tequila in it. And I was like, I think that's just an alcoholic writing this article. <laughs> There's a way to make it into ice cubes, too. Like, you have to do something, mm-hmm. but then make it ice cubes oh. for your alcoholic beverages. Ooh, okay. That's smart. Okay. That's some next level shit right there. There you go. We are on a mission. Mm-hmm. Um, so my chaos here. Chaos um, here. We're just talking about astrology. So my full chart is I'm a Pisces sun. So emotions, deep feelings, very dreamlike. Um, I'm a Taurus rising yeah Taurus rising so I'm very organized I love directions which is why I have a birthday website for my birthday um I like detail-oriented things but then 
I'm a Sag moon, which is a fire sign, which means I love chaos. And your moon um, is in charge of all your emotions. So chaos ensues. I've lived here almost six years and I've moved five times. That's my Sag moon. It's like I like constant change. Oh, wow. I like things to always be new and different. I will like throw a wrench in my own plan. Some people call it self-sabotage. I like to call it adding uh, confetti to chaos. It's fine. Little zhuzh. Little zhuzh, you know. Um, So right now, I'm really like going against the grain of like, when I told people in 2020, before the pandemic was a huge thing, that I wasn't dating, you would have thought I like slapped the Pope in the face. Like so many people were offended that like, this young, successful, attractive woman is choosing not to find a partner. And so I'm just kind of leading into that chaos again of like, I tried last year to date, not really my vibe. So this year, yeah, I'm just having fun. We're all, we're all, we should all be vaccinated. Mm-hmm. We should be. And we get to be outside. South by is coming up. We get to have fun. And I'm just like really leading into like my curvy hotness of being a queer queen and like, you have the honor of looking at my naked body, but Fuck that yeah. does not mean you get to call me every day. There's some boundaries in line. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, I just, for me, dating is just so much. I just want to have fun. Like I just went to a really good friend of mine. She got married and I loved her wedding. Like it was very chill. It was three days. She like works at the soccer stadium. Her husband works at Google's like very lavish wedding. And I was like, I want to do this every weekend, but just have fun. Like I don't want to get married <laughs> right now. I just want to party. Um, but I feel yeah, that. But yeah, I just, yeah. And, and as a person who gets the honor of being attractive to all genders and explaining to my family that just because I'm attracted to all genders doesn't mean dating's any easier, I'm also leaning into that case. Like, I just get to date and have fun and do things. So. As we should. Thank you. So on our first episode, uh, the, the episode was titled, it's out now, it's uh, 25 Dates of 26 People. Uh, we recorded that in October of last year. Uh, I need to confess something. My final dating number for all of 2021 was 50 dates with 36 people. Wow. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, this, uh, this, this, this intention, this chaos intention sounds familiar. Mm, I might, I might know something. <laughs> are we soulmates? Is this it? <laughs> this is our first date. Right yeah. Now. Mason and I are just going to be platonic chaos partners. And it's going to be freaking great. As yeah. we should. Yeah. We will, uh, Thelma and Louise our way through 2022 together. I can't wait. Honestly. <laughs> it, it was very weird though, To I wasn't having a lot of sex last year. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, I'm going to go on dates and I'm just going to really try and go about this as like authentically and slowly as I can. And there were a lot of people that I connected with and had like great, you know, first, second, third, fourth dates with. And then there were other people where it was like, yeah, this is going to be like a long 45 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. You can often tell very quickly. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But that's the tricky part with dating apps is that I can't always tell off of the app because a lot of people are like shitty texters yeah or they're just like really busy so it's like you're not getting like mm-hmm. a real conversation with them and then it's like i meet up in person and i'm like oh got it okay this, this is actually what it is yeah well even like baseline like when i was on apps and online dating just like the creation of a profile was just enough to send me into a spiral because okay. it's it's just like 
yeah, it's how do you present yourself? Am, am I being authentic in this? Uh, I, and I just always struggled with that. Yeah, that's one of my biggest things if you're, when I was on apps is like, if you don't even have time to write anything about you in your profile, I'm immediately swiping left. Oh, yeah. Because for me, I'm thinking either A, you think your hotness will get you through life, right. which if that's your whole personality, I don't need it. Well, it's but, not a personality. Correct. And two... If you're, quote, so busy that all, like you can't even think about writing anything about yourself, I'm like, no, like we're all busy. We all have our stuff going on. But sure. if you're like vehemently and seriously trying to like meet people, anything, I, you like bocce, your favorite book is Harry Potter book five, like anything, like you are a fully fledged human being and you can't even write anything in your app was the bane of my existence. Mm. Yeah, I, I need something to go off of with an app that, like the photos are obviously helpful. Like mm. That's a clearly like important sure. indicator of attraction. But as far as compatibility is concerned, mm -hmm. I really think that like a, a dating app should be thoughtfully put together. It should have those little touches of things. And uh, obviously it's like different app to app with what they allow you. Hinge now has voice memos. And that to me has honestly been incredibly illuminating because uh, I don't know, I think I have a good voice, so I'm very proud of mine. Uh, but there's other people where they will literally like, cause you know how Hinge has those prompts, right? Mm -hmm. So they kind of give you something to go off of. And I've listened to some of these and it's truly, and fuck me for saying this, the most boring response. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I'm sorry. No. The, the one soundbite that's like five seconds long that you were putting on your dating profile is a fucking snooze fest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or like my, so my friend Alex is dating too and she'll screen record the voice memos. She's like matching with people and it's my, but it's my favorite thing of like, just like you're saying, just the shit people say, you're like, Oh, that's what you're going to put out there in the dating universe is like this level of garbage. Okay, sure. It, great. Great. I just, I can't. I It's catch so, me too. it's so funny because the good ones, it's like, I immediately know. It's like, wow, like you have a great voice. You're an interesting storyteller. You know how to like kind of get to a punchline. Cause that to me is like the best part mm. with those, um, hinge things. Cause you don't have that long. So it's just like sort of telling like a quirky anecdote. Yeah. Do you know what that reminds me of is when Instagram first introduced Instagram stories and really introduced videos? Because I think before that, right, it was like, you know, it's it's Instagram culture. So it was a very, like, cultivated, like, beautiful pictures, perfect angle, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, we introduced these Instagram stories. And uh, a lot of these hot men that I followed it was the first time I heard their voice. And I was like, oh, oh, this is a whole new dimension. <laughs> Instagram is a little funny in that way yeah. because I, I, I think like we've been saying, right, there are various ways to meet queer people in this town. And that is a way that I have met certain people. And it is always very um, striking when someone's voice does not match who mm -hmm. I think they'll be. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, do, you, uh, do you date off of social media? I know you said you're off of apps. Mm. But yeah, if someone was to like slide in your DMs, would you be open to that? I would. I just don't think, and not to like toot my own heart, I just think anyone's brave enough. Like no one's tried it. Really? Which I don't want to like, please don't like feel like you need to like run to my DMs. But but they are open. But they are. They are very open. <laughs> which the guy I met on Sunday has been in my DMs that I was telling you about the hot Harry Potter looking dude. Mm -hmm. If you listen to this, 
please be back in them DMs there. Slide back. Back and forward, please. Um, But to kind of backtrack to what you were saying about your voice, because like, I was like, in every profile, like, hi, like not really up here, go to my Instagram or my podcast is this. And I feel like that was like a little like to it because first of all, yes, like a lot of people have podcasts, but like if you're a podcaster that has like actual podcasts out regularly, people like pee the, their pants about it. Like, oh my God, like you're so committed to blah, blah, blah. But then also like I have a very soothing voice from what I've been told. And I think that's a flex too. They're like, oh my God, your voice is so good. I'm like, oh my God, thank you. So I think it's that too because I listened to your first episode and I was like, oh, I texted like, oh, this voice. Like, oh, I thank you. I was like, oh, hello. And now I'm listening to Javi. I'm like, Javi, I know you like thank have you. a partner, but also like, but yeah, I think like, so no, no one has slid into my DMs, but I wouldn't be against it. Like I follow some very attractive people and some very attractive people follow me. So it could happen. Yeah. It could happen. So I was on a show this past Saturday at Fallout Theater called Slide in the DMs, which a good friend of ours, Angelina Martin puts on and there was someone who slid into my DMs saying that he was going to go to the show and he ended up going. I saw him in the front row, but he didn't stick around after the show. And so I like messaged him back and I was like, Hey, thanks for coming to the show. It was like, cool seeing you in the front row. Uh, like this is my number. If I ever want to like meet up or just like text or something. And he literally responds. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed. Thanks. Were you nervous? What the heck? Performing? No. 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 I, I don't know. It was improv. I love yeah. improv. I feel very comfortable there. It was just so funny that yeah. he completely ignored the little follow up. Like, here's my number. It was like, oh, disregard. Do not see. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting you say that. I find that, like, because I do so many outward facing things between podcasting and activism and now my job, like, so many people will go at, go to these things and see me in person but not come speak to me but will slide into my DMs like you did so great I'm like you had so much time to come and speak to you it was overwhelming like it was I just couldn't like you just listened to me or watched me you have the upper hand here like you know way more about me than I do about oh, you totally. and people get so in their head about it I'm like just come say hi like I am a full-fledged touchable human yeah, I'm a very touchable human. <laughs> Not underscore that enough. <laughs> underscore, circle, highlight, like, yeah. Yeah, I was so thrown by that because he, like, paid tickets to go to this show and like not sticking around after the show is fine. I think if like you're not in like the comedy or performance mm-hmm. space, you might not know that like, at least to me, like that's sort of the expectation is like, oh, like you go to my show, I'll buy you a drink after. Uh, and like, it doesn't have to be a romantic thing. It could just be friends or family, whatever. Uh, but for this person. <laughs> and even for you to be the person to like reach out after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right. It after he like had he- told you. It's yeah. not like he was frazzled, maybe? Like, okay, thanks, bye. Like, that energy was like, I'm just nervous. That it, I I do wonder if he saw me on stage and went like, oh, like, this guy's funny, but I don't want to date him, which is valid, right? Like, attraction can be flaky. Yeah, and like, that's <laughs> what you're saying. It's not. Well, thank no. you. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm just giving him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> if I mean, you're listening to this, I mean, back to me. His experience is valid, but I'm also like, no. Yeah, I'm not. I'm worth asking out on a drink. I full yeah. All of you. All of you on the show are hot. Like it's upsetting. 
can I point out something that I've noticed about the three of us that I almost never hear? We all like our voices. Yeah. No. You know how everybody's always oh, like, oh, when I hear my voice, I hate the way the sound, my, no. I like what I hear in my head. And I've always been somebody who was like, no, I kind of like my voice. I think I have a good voice. Javi, I love your voice. Thank you. It's amazing. Thank you. Bree, you've got an incredible voice. Yes. Thank you. Look at us being confident in our voices. Lots I love of it. Diction. It, I like the like vibrato. I'm like, mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we're all podcasters, so that kind of tricks. You kind of have to. You kind of have to. And I always laugh because I edit my own show, and I'm like, this is the first three episodes. I was like, what the fuck? And now I'm like, this is just you, girl. Like, you sound great. I'm like, I was so in my head reviewing audio from the first few episodes, and it was fine, right? Like, mm-hmm. it was like a totally great experience, but the it was just interesting after the fact to be like, wait. Sometimes I don't always say a complete sentence. I will just like throw out Mm. random words. And there were a few things with that first episode where Laura and I had to go through and be like, okay, like she said like two words and then I said three words and then she said like 1.5 words. Mm -hmm. And we both just pretended that was a real conversation. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's, you saw each other in that moment. I know, not a visual medium, but you (laughs) knew what was intended. Like I said before, I got act- into activism when I was five. My family is, was very involved in civil rights movements back when it was happening. So like that was really thrust upon me in my life. I started volunteering when I was like seven at like soup kitchens. I got really into politics when I was 10 because of the Gore Bush election, which still. Oh, oh what, what an election. Listen, I just feel like we would just be a better off place if Gore would have won, but I digress. And that kind of came up because, again, growing up in a very liberal place, my teacher at the time was like, if you could vote tomorrow, who would you vote for? I'm like, we all live in the same place. We're in the same classroom. Who the hell would vote for Bush? And when I saw like six hands go up, I go, what the fuck is happening? (laughs) So that got me, I was like, wait, like I- And an activist was born. And and, and there she rose from the ashes, a phoenix. Um, But yeah, and and ever since I was 10 or 11, I've I've watched- Every single election, local, presidential, even like congressional and Senate now, like, and then it moved to Texas and it just kind of all hit the fan. So in the time I've lived here, I've spoken at a bunch of events, mostly focusing on LGBTQA plus rights, reproductive justice stuff. Um, I'm very focused myself on the maternal mortality rate in black women. Um, We are four times more likely to to die in childbirth in the U.S., um, and the U.S. actually has the highest maternal mortality rate in the whole world um, than any other, like, developed, air quotes, country. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. I did not know that statistic. That's yeah. really alarming to yeah, hear. Yeah, like, the highest. Um, so that's a thing that keeps me up at night. Um, yeah, fuck. That's going to uh, keep me up at yeah. night. Do, do a goog. Do a goog. Um, I also just recently talked to a woman who lives in the U.K., um, about navigating the world with a disability. We talked about traveling. I'm very into traveling. I take a solo road trip every year. Um, I spend a lot of time by myself, which I think is also why I'm such like a well-rounded person. I'm also an only child, so I know how to self-soothe. And I started therapy at 15. Back to what I was talking about. Um, wait, 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 Brie. You're throwing out some like sorry. great gold nuggets <laughs> here. Self-soothing is so important. Yeah. Um, I think Javi and I can both attest to that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. like being an only child, like... I never like had a fight with a sibling 
but like my parents would make me mad. So my mom was always like, I think you need some time ago. I think you're right, Yolanda. And so I would always just like, <laughs> <laughs> my parents were 24 when they had me. And so I just like ever talked like, yeah, James, and just like walk off. <laughs> um, and so, but that, like my parents were always like, they never just said no, they always had a reason. And for black kids, kids of color, like the whole, because I said so, my parents were never like that. They were like, no, we're saying no, because we want you to be safe. Or when I wanted to guinea pig, my mom made me, do a PowerPoint presentation as to why I wanted to get any big. Stop. Yeah. My, I asked so many questions growing up. My mother got me an encyclopedia kit for Christmas one year. Yeah. I was like always taught to ask questions and not just accept yes and to do all these things. So yeah, only child. Like, and, and also coming from a big family, a lot of people don't guess that I'm an only child. So I'm like, no, like my parents got it right the first time. They're like, you know, let's not test fate. So, um, but yeah, so I've just always been this sort of activist who asks questions. So yeah, um, LGBT, LGBTQA plus stuff, reproductive justice, um, obviously race stuff. My actual business started in the like throes of um, 2020. Um, a friend of mine, her husband um, is from the so is from the show Supernatural. Him and his co-star were doing a panel, a virtual panel. And this woman, Danielle, we're really good friends now. Um, she was like, hey, we're looking for another panelist and I thought of you. And I was like, for, like, for, for serious? And she's like, yeah, like, we'll see you tomorrow at noon. And I'm like, oh, like, I can't, I can't say no. Like, she's like, no, yeah, we'll see you tomorrow at noon. And I was like, okay, great. Um, so that kind of really thrust me into, when I was the youngest one there, I just like had to get over that imposter syndrome really quickly. Um, and there was just such positive feedback from it. So I started consulting from there. And so now I do DEI and leadership training for companies. I also help small nonprofits with fundraising and marketing. And then I also do public speaking. But yeah, that's just like been like, and I just, I feel like I have had so many opportunities and I grew up super privileged. Like I said, in Hamden, I got to see so many people, but like I learned like how to ice skate and swim in gym class. I started taking a second language in like third grade. Like, so for me to have all of these opportunities as a black woman, I went to college, I was an RA, I did student government, I did student orientation, like just had all this access and things. I was like, I can't be, I can't sit still. And also so many people rallied around me after my mom died, which I think is what really got me into social work of like, my life would have looked so differently if people didn't give a shit about me. And so I kind of always am just like, I have to pay it forward. That's a really beautiful sentiment. Thank you. I just feel like the world is a dump the world is a dumpster fire and I wanted to like I want to like extinguish it like with my own little spritz bottle every day. Oh, absolutely. And and we should all be trying to do that. And especially here in Texas, where it's just like one stupid fucking headline after another here. I mean it's just insane did you see today what abbott did yes yes and and the repercussions of that are so bleak it's he's literally going to get kids killed absolutely like for those of you who don't know abbott put a new thing into place of like for essentially schools to out trans to out parents of trans kids and to report them to child protective services of like endangering children. And it's like for parents to give their kids access to that level of healthcare is actually protecting and saving their lives. And now it's just another piece of bullshit because Abbott's the freaking worst. And he's directing uh, like CPS and social services Mm -hmm. to investigate these cases, which like, I don't know as a social worker and the folks who work in that, in that field, I was like, that's, that's not going to go well. It, it's just a waste of resources. I mean, oh, yeah. like, 
waste of resources for a system that's already overly taxed. Yes. And overworked and yeah. underpaid. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, a, a friend of mine was saying that the focus used to be like, it's always been like throw LGBTQ people under the bus, but like people are like, for lack of a word, I'm like, okay with like gayness and queerness now, but it's still like they're villainizing transness. And so that's why he just keeps putting out these bills over and over again to kind of sort of stay relevant because a lot of people still don't understand transness, which is ridiculous. No. It, it really is striking the number of bills that have been put forward. Uh, Cause we were just talking about this on the show. Like there weren't that many up until a few years ago no. that specifically called out trans and non-binary mm-hmm. folks. And now it's like every year in Texas, there's just an arsenal of them that comes out and it's so incredibly triggering whenever this happens. Yeah. It's like, like you just need to be checking in with your friends, right? Yeah. Like as a cis person, of like, what the fuck is happening? And was, are you okay? Was it like 50 last year during ledge? It was like over 50 legislative bills. It, it was just a insane high number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So vote him out. Thanks. Oh, yeah, please. <laughs> for the love of God. So how do you, yeah, I don't know. How do you maintain hope in all this? I mean, you're, 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 you're very much on the front lines and fighting this fight and it's, uh, and you've been doing it since Bush Gore. And I was like, things have gotten real rough since then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, for me, it's the remembering I'm just one person. Like I cannot save the empire. Yeah. I am just a cog in the machine, but a good one. I'm well, for lack of a term, like I'm well oiled. Like I can, Drink water, go to bed, set boundaries. Like, I think that's one of the biggest things. Like, I set boundaries with my family a lot. Like, my dad and I don't really talk. We don't have a relationship, really. Um, And so it's trickled down to, like, I don't let people talk to me crazy. And my face talks before I do. So you'll always know how I feel. Um, But then it's also leaning on people. I'm learning how to ask for help more. I don't typically. But that's a thing I'm definitely working on this year. But... Also bringing more people in. I was thinking about moving like two years ago and everyone's like, you can't move. Like what's going to happen to Texas? I'm like, you know how many people live in Texas? Like if I'm the only one doing this, that's more of a system problem. And like y'all shouldn't be leaning on me. And I've been really leaning into like black women will not save you. Like I'm here doing the work, but you can't depend on us. Like I have other shit to worry about at the same time. Um, I also, like I said, have good people in my life, but I also do an audit every year on my birthday of like, are these people I actually want to keep in my life? Wait, you do that around your birthday? Every year. That, that feels like something that should be like a month or two after your birthday. No, no, no. No. Because <laughs> I, I have my big birthday and it's like, okay, I want all these people to come. And I'm like, maybe it'd be a goodbye tour. Maybe it'll be like, I'll see you in the next year. Um, but it's it's literally just a, just, and, and also like knowing that being someone's friend is such an honor and a privilege and a responsibility. And so like I tell people, I know a lot of people, I don't have a lot of friends and it's not to like be a bitch. It's just the, for me, the word friend is thrown around so flippantly now. And for me, like a friend is someone I can call in the middle of the night having like a fucking breakdown or my car literally broke down. But yeah, I, I, I audit the people in my life and people get real nervous around my birthday every year. Um, like if you hear from me after. You do it as a production, right? It's, it's, it's an outward face. It's like, it's like America's Next Top Model. I just sit there in the corner. It's like on YouTube. <laughs> I'm imagining. So you were walking us through before the show. There's like three days worth of activities. There's like a fourth day. Yeah. And that's the calling. It's like the Thursday beforehand. It's like, hey, I was invited to like the Thursday happy hour. Were you? Oh, Oh, 
I was not invited to the Thursday happy hour. Oh, see, in so, my head, you you had everybody over, and then you came out with a list. Oh, like that's that event like, one, like yeah. like episode one of The Bachelor or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's real Squid Game. It's real Squid Game. Yeah. <laughs> my friend said like next year she wants a VIP event like on the Sunday, like in the morning for brunch. She goes, but only like the VIP goes. I'm like, actually, I feel like that would be chaos, and I'm sort of into that. Like people like I didn't get I didn't get an invite to brunch. Did you like? Oh, I did. Like that's awkward. <laughs> Hey, year of chaos. I am year of chaos. Um, but yeah, I just, I also think like one of the biggest things I've held close to my heart is it's a bad day, not a bad life, which has been super helpful in perspective giving. I love that. Yeah. Of just like, it is 24 hours and today might be a shit show, but there's always tomorrow and you can hope for more. But yeah, I also have a five step skincare routine every night that kind of gets me out of my brain. So I do my skincare in the morning. Chaos. I, I like to think that my face wakes up about 45 minutes after I do. But if I can do it within the first few minutes, then I'm also awake. I'm not awake. judging you. I'm just concerned. You were taking that freshly cleaned, moisturized face into the smog of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> when you could cl- sleep on clean sheets. Okay. Just wondering. You know, that's uh, that's an interesting perspective, and I'll take that to heart, and I might try some nighttime skincare. But I do, like, I find that, like, washing my face before sleep, it's more of, like, a rinsing, and then in the morning, it's, like, a beautifying. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would just... You do need some deep moisturizing overnight, though. Probably. Not, no, I'm not saying you specifically need. Oh, sure, I just need sure, sure, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like, you need to leave the Queer Town Clubhouse. <laughs> I'm not saying you specifically, but just like you. No people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just listen, people. Yeah. Listen, I just say, yes, drink your water, but also lotion and moisturize. There you go. Black don't crack, but I'm also trying to make sure she stays in line. Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, please. I'm, it's one of my biggest concerns. I'm an equal opportunity dater. So, like, I date all genders, all religions, the things. But I'm always, like, I do get concerned when I date someone who isn't a person of color. I'm, like, if we're going to be together, like, long term, I'm going to need you to know what lotion is. I'm going to need you to know I need you to wash your legs. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google Taylor Swift washing her legs. (laughs) A video won't pop up. Did you not hear this? No. A couple years ago? Did you hear this? No, I remember when it was a... Wait, was this last year? It was like two years ago now. Oh, it was two years ago. Okay. But she was saying how she doesn't wash her legs. She just lets the water trickle down the rest of her body. Exactly. I just and a lot a of face. And I, a lot of white people were like, yeah, no, that makes sense. And I'm like, no. So I swam growing up. So I am, I, I swam for like 15 years. And I'm very conditioned to just believe that every single time I hop in the shower, I need to scrub chlorine off of my body. I have not been in a pool in maybe like four months. And yeah, I am still behaving as though this like dangerous chlorine could be drying out my skin. So everyone pretend you're mace. Wash like you are dipped in chlorine daily. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were referencing, who was it? It was like fairly recent, but there was like a controversy over, there was an interview and someone admitted that they only um, shower. Jake. It was Jake, was Jake Gyllenhaal, right? fine ass, but Wait, I'm like. What did he say? That he only showers like once or twice a week. And then Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher were like, yeah, we only, we only bathe our kids twice a week. Yeah, that's what it was. Oh, okay, so. And then Dwayne The Rock Johnson came in and said, I shower three times a day. Which is why we love Dwayne. Future president. <laughs> so the thing is about Jake, if you identify as a pig 
and you like that smell, you like that um, <laughs> vibe, that is like the sexiest fucking pig you could possibly have in your bed. Yeah. Oh, I'm not kink shaming. I'm just saying if you want to date me, I'm going to need you to shower. <laughs> you can't be Jake. Scrub. I, I feel like he could be saved. <laughs> like It's not too late. It's not too late for Jake. Jake, my number is 203. <laughs> <laughs> I will say Jake Gyllenhaal was a massive queer awakening for me. Something about his happy trail, it, it makes me Uh-oh. very happy. Wasn't he in Brookback Mountain? Oh, totally. Yeah. Well, but, but it was like before Brokeback Mountain. Because I know. think he was in... It's a photo. Sh- it's a, there's a very specific photo. Very specific I photo. very much know yeah. what photo you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, like, you know, it's like, it just screams fag. <laughs> if it's like 2003 and you're like, yeah. mm-hmm, that photo. Yep, I know that one. Oh, yeah. I love this. Were, the, were, were there queer awakening I'm thinking. moments for you? Obviously, the first one that comes to mind is Shane from The L Word. Because oh, she could have fucking ruined my life. Mm. Um, but I'm trying to think, I feel like, oh no, which is embarrassing. My queer awakening was both Coral and Anissa from real world. Coral. I was like, I was like, do I want to be them or do I want to be with <laughs> them? But with both of them, I'm like. Coral was, uh, um, real world Hawaii? Real world, my bedroom. I don't even remember, but that bitch could have had it all. Her and Anissa. I was like, oh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of into this. Like. So I remember watching Real World Philadelphia, uh, which Karamo from Queer Eye mm-hmm. was on. Yeah. And then I think they followed that up with Real World Denver, which had this twink uh, whose name escapes me. Maybe it was like Landon. It was some like twink polo wearing name. Uh, and I had like the biggest crush on both of them. It was like a very like pivotal moment. This is so illustrative of our age gap. Because mine was real world New Orleans. <laughs> Danny from real world New Orleans. That for, and honestly, like, cause I've heard this quite a bit for mm-hmm. men of my age who saw that show. He was, I'm 38. Um, Can you but, pull up a photo of Danny? Yeah, absolutely. Um, his whole thing was that he, he had a boyfriend who was in the military and this. <gasps> oh, my, oh my God. Oh my God. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I like, I, I can't see his face, but I just remember them blurring out the boyfriend's face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Shout out to old school MTV, man. We really yeah. like mm. room Raiders next. The bus next. dating. Oh my God. Oh. Next is truly what I want my life to be. Uh, just for like a day. Like I turned 30 in April. Let me, let me bring next back. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes. Oh no. I need to see this when you're done. He had this Southern drawl too. That was, <laughs> he's, he's, I wish I could see me. Oh face. no. The photo of him today. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, honey. Okay. Yeah. We're in New Orleans. Also, I want to just also circle back to, Men, cis men, men who can grow beards, do it. That's do all. It's my PSA. <laughs> I can't, but I but support don't. and respect, and I am a huge ally for men who can grow beards. Great. I was going to say something, and it just slipped my brain. Oh, did have y'all seen the meme that made me laugh the other day? It was like... Uh, that early, like that late '90s, early 2000 trope of like daring someone to date in the movies is why I'm I have trauma, and they're talking about like, um, 
what the frick is that movie? Like, 10 Things I Hate About You, and, oh my God, the movie with Freddie Prince Jr. and that girl. She's all that. She's all that. Like, And I was like, uh, Reese Witherspoon and uh, Cruel Intentions. I'm like, yeah. I just wanted to, I needed people to know. This is why I also have, like, dating trauma. Like, are you really into me? Or is it like, someone dared you to date me? <laughs> Constantly, oh my God, is this... Is this okay? <laughs> so if anyone were to dare someone to date me, uh, buckle up, motherfucker. <laughs> Keep all arms and legs in, <laughs> in the vehicle while in motion. This is not a ride for the faint of heart. <laughs> it's like the Tower of Hell. <laughs> oh, man. What has dating been like for y'all? And you're, I mean, I know you have a, have a boo. Yes. Javi. Yes. Selfish. Um, but <laughs> how for the, dare you? How how'd y'all meet? I need to know. Uh, we used to work out together. We went to the same boot camp um, at, a, at a gym here in Austin. And uh, we worked out together for probably a year and never said a word to each other. And then three years later, I slid into his DMs. I'm not, I wasn't great at dating. <laughs> I just want to circle back to the DMs work magic. There you go. Like if you decide, we there have a, we have a, we have a mm-hmm. success story here, people. There you go. But it wasn't like a thing then. Like I, mm-hmm. like now I hear so many more stories of people meeting on Instagram, which feels like it's just such a, I don't know, hopefully a better representation of you as a person. Um, like, I feel like your Instagram presence is like, that's Mace. Like, he he really knows how to represent himself on social media, you know? Thank you. So, it's, it's, um, uh, it's just, it's, it's interesting to hear that that's, that's how people, that's how a lot of people. So, how it. did you structure that initial message? <laughs> because I think that my, like, stereotype of sliding into the DMs is like, sort of akin to like a hey you up kind of message. Maybe there's more to it, but it is not necessarily... I have, though, gotten from time to time, like, paragraphs that are like, you were the most handsome, amazing person I've ever seen. And it's like, oh, that, that's too much. Delete. Yeah. I never got that. <laughs> yeah. Never saw it. Mm-mm. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, we had followed each other for a while. And just, you know, we were liking each other's pictures and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I just messaged him one day and I said, hey, we, uh, um, you seem fun and we should hang out sometime. Would you like to hang out sometime? I like that. That's good. Yeah. We should hang out sometime. Great. That, that's uh, the wording of that ask is always something that I get in my head about of like how to structure the, like, I want to be in the same room with you and I want to look at you and I maybe want to like share some food and I want to have a good time, but I don't really know how to ask that. Because if memory serves, a lot of gay men initiate that conversation with, Hey, (laughs) yep. (laughs) That's it. That, that is the grinder go to. Yep. Hey, or looking question mark. (laughs) I will never be more grateful that I've never had to be on grinder, growler, or scruff because I don't know how y'all navigate that. Grinder is sort of like uh, that movie uh, where Tom Cruise is like fighting aliens and he keeps like dying and like regenerating and it's like the same battle and he has to go through like the same like alien monsters mm-hmm. uh, 
that's what it feels like every single time I re-download Grinder. with like, why am I doing this? Like there's like five men here who are very into me and every single time my like profile is activated, it's like they like feel something in the wind. <laughs> like Mace is back. And then it's like immediately like eight dick pics. Like, hey, beautiful. And uh, it's like, you know, this happened the last like 20 fucking times I uh, gave up and I re-downloaded Grindr. And uh, I don't know why you think 21 is going to be any different. Because maybe now you're willing to settle. Maybe now you're like, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. wearing him down. Maybe this is the time. <laughs> They're like, I took a new dick pic. This one's good. <laughs> this one's great. This will okay. be the one. <laughs> Could you please endorse me on LinkedIn? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Bree, is there anything else that you want to talk about while you're with us? For me, I just, I, I, I think my queer friendships are some of the most important and powerful in my life. I feel like being queer is magic because you understand that it comes with a lot of survival and navigation. Um, so yeah, I just like want to talk about building queer friendships. And also I feel like you're not truly queer to like, you think you and your friend might hook up, but you're like, do we really want to go here? Do I not want to go here? I've had I'm sharing a lot today. I've had, that's, a, that's the point of this show. I've had a threesome with a f- with two mm. friends who were dating and it wasn't weird after and i feel oh. like with queer people we can do that i feel like if i did Thank that you. with a hetero couple they still probably wouldn't talk to me so <laughs> it would be a whole thing it'd be yeah. a whole thing and it was two women and it was like we've talked about it we were all super safe we had gotten tested a whole thing and i'm just like wow look at that anyway i just feel like that's the epitome yeah of that, queerness. that is the <laughs> apex right there that is what we were all working towards And I think it is difficult because we're all conditioned within a straight culture Mm -hmm. to have these like very specific uh, approaches to relationships Mm -hmm. and to sort of codify the people in our lives in certain ways. And I think that has been one of the gifts, but also most challenging aspects of being a queer adult of like, okay, how do I want things to look in my life? And what is a way that I want to kind of recontextualize friendship? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I I think that I historically in college, I would hook up with friends and then it would either not be an issue or be like such an issue. Mm -hmm. And I think I had almost like a knee jerk reaction when that might happen a few years like outside of college. And I think I've kind of like, swung the opposite way where I'm like, okay, it really doesn't matter in that way. But there was definitely a moment where I was like, no, like I don't want to lose this person. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was, uh, no, I was going to, that, that I was thinking the same thing where it's like, you presented it as this, like, it's so nice as queer people, we can do this. But like it also, I, I think in the past have experienced it as, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? a challenge just like, especially initially like meeting people and it's like, yeah, it's the thing that you were talking about. I was like, are we going to date? Are we going to be friends? Are we going to be friends who fuck? What are we going to, what's, what's happening? It's funny. It's interesting now that I'm like in a monogamous relationship and like, I find myself um, craving more queer friendship. Cause it took, I, God, it really wasn't until like we were in Martini Ranch that I really um, was able to like cultivate queer friendships. Mm. Like before that, I was a pretty a lot of straight girlfriends. Uh, that was kind of the, the 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 deal for me. So 
Yeah, no, I don't know. It's um, it's actually for me. I think it's actually been kind of hard to to do and to to cultivate. Um, and yeah, that's the thing that it, I, I want. It's tricky. No, because I think for me, so much of friendship is sort of rooted in shared values, mm-hmm. and I don't always know what those are when I meet up with people from dating apps. And sometimes it's immediately clear, right? It's like, okay, this person and I, like, we're not going to date, but we have, like, this incredible connection. We just feel this, like, vibe in that sort of communication style and energy. But then other times it's like, okay, well, like you're saying, Javi, like, we could date or we could not date or, I don't know, we could, like, never talk to each other again. Right. (laughs) And and to, like, kind of strike that balance, it definitely takes, I think, um, shared interest in the same outcome, which is a very vulnerable thing to Mm -hmm. offer up. Yeah. Like I've been really lucky that a lot of my friendships just sort of happened. I mean, obviously like friendship is work and like any other relationship, but you know, a lot of my friendship with gay men started off like going to karaoke at Iron Bear back when it was still on eighth RIP. Oh, Magical. The OG. Oh, I, I did a few of those karaoke. I remember those days. Oh, I loved it. I loved that karaoke because you could tell it was like layers in a rock. You could tell when someone had done show choir in middle school <laughs> because it was like, oh, like you're singing oh. a song from like 1991, you're 97, you're 2005. Mm-hmm. Okay, so on yeah. and so forth. You can shout yeah. out to Planet Fabulous. I think that's the oh, name of yeah. the KJ uh, yes. uh, <laughs> the Iron Bear. That's Mora? a great name. Is that Mora? I don't know. It'll come to me in a minute. Her name. Uh, Mura? Mura. Right, oh. yeah. Right. Shout out to you, girl. Um, but yeah, like I was really lucky to cultivate queer friendships with gay men there. Um, and then I got to work at Out Youth, which is a queer org here in Austin for a while. And We uh, love Out I was a volunteer there for, I was volunteer of the year, 2012. So I got to be there and meet a lot of queer people doing that work. Um, and then just like out and about. So yeah, I just wanted to know like what it's been like for y'all, because I feel like I've just kind of just kept falling into friendships, which is just such a joy. Yeah, definitely. Like as a fellow extrovert, it is easy in this town to fall into friendships with other queer people because we have such an amazing community, right, of activists and artists and all these like really exciting, dreamy people who are kind of a stone's throw away. Mm -hmm. Though I will say it is intimidating as hell sometimes when it's like, oh, like I know like your resume, like I know like what you bring to the table and oh, like you just want to like bum around and hang out oh, uh, with me what oh, okay sure let's go listen everyone's cool everyone deserves friendships no one's better than anybody else no not at all but yeah that's all i just wanted to be like i want to be friends with the two of you so this is me saying it no that no i was literally just thinking right now i was just like it's so funny how like it's hard for us as humans to just well maybe just me because i'm socially anxious but just like to say like I just want to be friends. Can we be friends? You know, just to like, just ask it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, it, I, yeah. it feels like something a child would do right. in a way. Cause that's what I did in kindergarten. My, <laughs> well, actually I didn't do it. My best friend for like all of elementary school is like, Hey, do you want to be best friends with me? It wasn't even, do you want to be friends? It was that <laughs> classic thing. Do you want to be best friends? And I'm like, yes, let's go. <laughs> and we were. <laughs> for life, baby. Yeah. Mm, not for life. Uh, for kindergarten. For kindergarten life. The life of kindergarten. Uh, they're a Republican now. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> Shame. 
Well, Bree, we definitely want to be your friend. Thank yes. you. And we are so appreciative that you dropped by the Queer Town Clubhouse to Listen, chat with us. I want to stay here. I want to live in the clubhouse. There you go. Come on in. Listen, can I get a residency here? Is that, is that how that works? Like, like hi. I'll we, just come every week. <laughs> yeah, your allergy to cats might not suit you well in the long term. I took... Uh, allergy med. I won't say what kind because not sponsored, but it could be. <laughs> I took an allergy pill and I feel fine. There you go. Hell yeah. So Hell shout out yeah. to that allergy med. Love it. Yeah. Vague allergy med. We love you. We love you, Brie. And we love this wine, Javi. So let's just yes. do one final cheers. Salute. Left, Salute. Hand, left hand. Left hand. Look the person in the Looking eye. Eyes. Hey. Cheers, queers. Cheers. cheers. Well, that's all, folks. As always, I'm Mace Kerwick, and thank you so much for visiting us here in Queertown. This episode was edited by Drewski Hewlett and associate produced by Kristen Washington. I'd like to give a big shout out to everybody who's commented, who's subscribed, who's shared this podcast with their friends and family, because we absolutely love getting to sit down with the movers and shakers of Austin's queer community and are so grateful for the opportunity to continue doing so. Y'all come back now, you hear?